0: Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good afternoon and welcome to the Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. Today is Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. And we're continuing our series of guest speakers in the muni industry called State of Play. And today, we have another good one out there, Natalie Cohen. Natalie, welcome to our show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for thinking of me.
0: We appreciate you and your time today. So let me give a brief background of yourself to people who are not in Muniland. You are currently founder and re- president of National Municipal Research. Prior to that, you were head of municipal research at Wells Fargo. And prior to that, you've worked in the industry for an insurer, FSA and ACA, and also for a rating agency, Moody's. So very impressive background. Thank you. All right. So let's get into our questions. With municipalities, no need to, you know, go into too much detail, but we know states need revenue to function, obviously for day to day operation. They they raise money by collecting different types of taxes. You got sales, income, property tax and so forth. Let me ask your thoughts on different types, starting with um sales taxes, because I know Many states benefited from a 2018 Supreme Court decision that allowed them to force out-of-state retailers to collect taxes on online purchases. This helped, especially during the pandemic, when a lot of people were shifting to online shopping. So one of the current states that is not imposing the so-called Wayfair taxes concerning the online retailer Wayfair is the state of Missouri. And now Missouri leaders are contemplating imposing a sales tax for the first time. Do you think that at a point where pretty much every state will have to... uh, tax online purchases?
1: Well, let me let me just address your first point. Um, the Wayfair decision also has helped local communities that have sales tax. A lot of southern states use the local sales tax at the local level. Each state has different structures. So in some cases, the local government can collect directly. And in other cases, the state can remit to the local government. So that's, that's the backdrop. And by now, or even pre-pandemic, just about every state had implemented some version of collection of sales tax on internet, online purchases, with the exception of Missouri, as you mentioned and Florida, Florida's the other state and all others. And there is also some movement in Florida to try to impose uh, tax on online purchases. So that would then cover every single state. You know, in terms of the sales tax there, no one could really foresee the extent of how much movement there would be once the pandemic it emerged in people's awareness as to what the consequences were and the stay at home orders in different states, e commerce really grew dramatically. So, you know, obviously Florida and Missouri missed out on some of those benefits. And I think, you know, recently there have been some articles in the press concerning windfalls that the states have received. But at the time of budgeting last year, for fiscal 2021, starting last July, there was no ability to really understand or foresee what the growth in that revenue source would be. So a lot of the articles are saying, "Well, you didn't forecast this much. Look at the windfall that you've gotten." But that just that tells part of the story,
0: right? And uh, you were talking about the shift another source of revenue uh, to July 1st, specifically income taxes I, last year because of the right. Pay- because of the pandemic, the the traditional deadline of April 15, which is coming up soon, just to remind everyone for taxes, yes. was 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 <laughs> pushed.
1: Time.
0: Was Gotta that time go. again? Talk yes. To you <laughs> <later>. <laughs> no. Yeah. Nope. No extension yeah. this year, but last year because of the pandemic, they pushed it back to July, and that seemed to help some states because revenue seemed to come in just as states fiscal year was were starting to begin, like you said, July 1st. Do we expect another uptick in April? And some states have an April 1st fiscal year start, like the state of New York. So do you think it will help states right now?
1: Well, I think, you know, this is a topic that you had suggested earlier. States that have income tax, not every single state has that, right. of course, nuanced municipal market. But the states that have capital gains alongside the income tax, given the strength of equity markets and, you know, interest from fixed income, those states have also seen a surge in revenues from capital gains. So, you know, that is something that you can kind of, if you map it out, say California, which has a pretty high capital gains at the state level, New Jersey, some of the other states, it is very volatile and f- fluctuates with market gains and losses so in the good years it's high in the bad years it drops down so anyone investing in equities or other aspects of the market would be aware of that a number of years ago california recognized this and certainly during the great recession it came you know came to the fore even more and they decided to set aside during the good years, extra monies in the rainy day fund. So that would essentially help to smooth out some of that serious fluctuation that you got with ups and downs of rallies and busts. So that does affect state revenues for sure.
0: Right, and you mentioned a couple of points that I'm going to allude to, that you alluded to, which I'm going to bring up. One is capital gains, which I'll get to, but talking about the equity market, we know that related to the Federal Reserve last year, they sort of helped indirectly by making credit widely available because, you know, the low interest rates. That fueled that big stock market rally, which ultimately gave states, like you said, including New Jersey, you mentioned capital gains a tax. So as the market moves up, I guess the state's revenues follow?
1: Yes. Yes, that's correct. That's exactly right. And then just a word of caution, because you mentioned the postponement of income tax filing Mm -hmm. last year, you know, it's, it's common practice in, in journalism to compare year over year. But in the in this case, you really need to compare the correct, you know, you you can compare the quarter, including July last year with the prior year, including the April month, because that would have shown revenues from income tax filings. So right. you have to just look at the different peak years. So, you know, it looks like a bigger windfall if you compare July to the prior July, year over year. But that's not when people filed the year before.
0: So. Right, that's an anom- anomaly. So It's a
1: bit of, yeah, exactly.
0: Now, going back to capital gains tax, Washington State is one of the few that has no income tax. So now they're seeing leaders advocate capital gains taxation to boost revenues. Do you think, again, like we we're asking before about, Going down the line probably more states will follow through
1: i mean i think the states that have capital gains tax have had it for a long time you know always in the current environment considering a new tax is always controversial certainly in the last federal administration you know there was and and prior there have been significant pressures against increasing any taxes and in fact In this may be true for Missouri, but back to the sales tax in Florida, for sure, any online taxation is considered a new tax, but it's hard to trace with publicly available data. But over the years, there's been a decline in revenues from physical retail, from shopping, from, you know, other kinds of physical purchases. But so it's a new tax, yes, but it is not necessarily different than what people were paying before when they walked into a store so that's that's a bit of a diversion from the the uh capital gains tax so i don't you know i I don't know i mean new hampshire taxes dividends and interest and so on but does not have an income tax so there is a precedent Uh, we'll see you know what what the state of washington legislature
0: does right and you mentioned new hampshire there was an interesting case which i'll get to later on but that's a Another talking point in a minute. But uh, okay. Let's let's. let's you're <laughs> yeah, sort of, you're leading great. my questions along, and yeah, which is sorry, great. So, no, that's great. Like that's great. That's great. Too
1: that's great. much coffee today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So let's let's move on to the next set of taxes. I know. Yeah, property taxes, and in most cases, when I was learning about financial journalism or the market, obviously you got people make money on a daily basis, but governments people usually pay tax, property taxes quarterly. So there's a lag in revenues, but do you think, I mean, this is, it's not going to change obviously, but do you still think that it could still hurt or, or help governments in any way? Cause they, they know it's coming, but they have to wait three months or six months to get that.
1: Right. So there can be up to a, almost a year of lag in the property tax based on the way assessments are done. So you do an assessment and then the the state or it's very rare on the state level but the local governments rely heavily school districts rely heavily on property taxes so the local entity determines what the levy is and then as the year goes by there's a cycle for when the bills are sent out saying here's your assessment so one of the issues that I'm watching is, you know, we know what the immediate impact of COVID has been in terms of people facing activities, in terms of, you know, things that have closed down during the lockdowns and so on, and other sectors, you know, theaters, sports arenas, leisure destinations, entertainment, hotels, airports, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We can go on about that if you want. Um, But the question is, what, is going to stick and what's going to go back to previous pre-pandemic levels. And I believe that at least in the, in the medium term, that commercial real estate in particular, you know, mall properties Mm -hmm. and office properties, it's an open question as to how much they're going to come back. So, you know, a lot of companies are debating hybrid work from home policies, the online internet is not going to go away. It's convenient. The distribution channels are there. And, you know, is the local mall going to close down? There have been some, there's, there's already delinquencies showing up on the corporate side in terms of mall uh, owners and stock prices and so on of those owners. And so, You know, there's pain out there on that front in terms of foreclosures and delinquencies. I have a feeling that it's it's not going to come back the way it was before Mm. for some time. But on the positive side, not to be completely negative, Mm -hmm. those physical real you know malls and retail properties are close to residential areas and what in the, you know, online distribution, whether it's Amazon or Wayfair or some other company, they call the last mile. And the last mile is, you know, you want it to be close to your customer to reduce your transportation and logistics costs. So a lot of companies are taking up some of the properties that are in empty spaces in the malls and using them as as those last mile distribution centers or warehousing centers. So that's that's a bit of a counterweight to you know to the losses. But what we're watching to see what sticks and what doesn't stick is how much are these property owners going to protest their assessments? How you know how much of a reduction are they going to seek? How much are they going to get? And again, every state and locality has a different approach. Counties do the assessments in a lot of places and so on. So that's going to take some time and is not as visible. It takes a little bit of detective work to figure out kind of where, you know, where some of that is. But there's certainly communities around the country that are smaller and they rely on the presence of a mall or a strip, strip shopping center, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, what's going to stick and what's not is the open question right now.
0: Right. And you were mentioning about malls. I think with the current uh, pretty much a done deal with the stimulus packet that's going back to the house now as of today, that might spur people to go back to the mall and spend that fourteen hundred dollar check. But let's talk about briefly about well, that.
1: Well just a side real quick sidebar. Sure. We did see that in the summer. I mean when yes. we, you know, during that extra six hundred dollar a week supplement to unemployment you know, everything looked a little rosy right in the middle of last summer, and and uh, that was certainly one of the reasons.
0: Yeah, and so talking talking about that, like you said, last last that was six hundred dollars a week back during the first stimulus round. Yes, and that gave states more sales tax to revenues collect. And you were talking about historical or financial perspective in terms of journalistic point of view. If you recall, during the Great Recession, Congress sent supplements up just $25 a week back then. So so now the proposal is, is, it looks like $300 a week. Do you think that, uh, I'm sort of, I guess, uh, you know, answering my own question, this could lead like a boost to the states, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question. Even if it's a small amount, it helps every little bit. You know, especially there's still uh, quite a bit of unemployed people out there.
0: Right. Now, we're talking now the people that are able to work from home like ourselves, either full time or part time. Now, cities are going to lose the people that were working each day. You've got the trickle down theory of, you know, well, I'll go to the coffee shop around the corner from my office and so forth. So and people driving in. So they're going to lose that revenue source, right?
1: Yes, that's definitely something to watch. And to add to that, you've got a transition in some places to electric powered vehicles and sort of a push to go green. So that's certainly also going to affect the gas tax.
0: Right. And we were talking about Florida earlier before. I know it's, it's it's a no brainer that from, from the, from the get go, because travel was restricted and people are still afraid you've got tourism down in major places like Hawaii and so forth. Now, that's going to be a longer recovery for those municipalities.
1: Yes, I would say yes. You know, it's, it. There's, there's opening and then there's confidence. So, you know, it wasn't a surprise when Disney opened or mm-hmm. in Florida, the Florida Disney opened earlier mm-hmm. than one would have thought or expected. But then, you know, whether people are confident and comfortable going, are they comfortable flying? Are they, you know, they're not going to, well, there's not that much mass transit in Florida, but flying in and drive, driving's probably fine, but hotels, are they comfortable with that? So, you know, it is a question of confidence. It's a question of, uh, obviously, the most highest priority is getting the vaccinations distributed and used so that people have some immunity at all ages. So, So, yeah, I mean, that is, you know, I would say a counterpoint to that a little bit is that transit took a really big hit. Right. And, you know, as I'm sure you know, MTA is one of the two entities that did borrow from the municipal liquidity fund.
0: Right, right.
1: But transit systems all across the country have suffered major downturns. So in some respects, even as, you know, overall driving has been down, More people who are commuters have taken to their cars. So there is congestion in some locations as in places where people are returning to office.
0: Yeah, that should be interesting, especially here in New York with, I believe Chuck Schumer said the New York MTA is getting, I forgot how many many billions are getting right now with the, the stimulus package and Supposedly, the transportation secretary is fast-tracking the congestion tolling plan that's uh, in the works now. So,
1: in oh, we... a New York City resident. There exactly. <laughs> we
0: shall see. That's really very I interesting.
1: Did... Yeah, yeah. The MTA disclosure in March or in April covering the March time period, they touched on three dates. They had declines in subway, bus, and uh, the commuter lines, Metro North and Long Island Railroad. And it's, it's kind of shocking. So for example, the subways went down almost 19% by right. March 12th ridership. And then by March 23rd, they were down almost 87%. That's a big, you know, big loss. And then Metro North was down 48% on the first date March 12th. But then by March 23rd, it was down 94%. So that's the work from home crowd. And the same with Long Island Railroad, and this is MTA showing the AM peak, the morning peak, Mm -hmm. 31% down in March 12th, 71% by March 23rd. So pretty significant ridership losses at that point in time.
0: Definitely. And I'm just going to wrap it up with just two last questions. One, we're going to go back to New Hampshire in in a second. That'll be my final question. But you just touched the word disclosure. I know you've been following... Uh, mature event disclosures. And you just talked about the MTA, which is tra- part transportation. Give, give give us your thoughts on them in terms of any other uh, high-yield type sectors.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, for now, I've been tracking, you know, the Emma the disclosures, the MSRB disclosures, and looking at, I think, what we're seeing mostly there are a small handful, very small number of bankruptcies or receiverships that are out there, but there are, I just looked this morning, there were 32 disclosures about unscheduled draws on debt service. So that's an early warning signal. And I would say of those, now we talked about Missouri, Missouri happens to have a number of sales tax increment transactions. So these are smaller districts that only collect within the district, and so, for example, you know, I'll just put a name out: Hamley Station Transportation Development District sales tax revenue was relying—it's a you know a combo of transportation station and retail—and so that retail was closed down for a time period, and and obviously harmed the cash flow of these smaller type uh, entities. There's a couple of others. One, two, three, four, five, six in Missouri that have had unscheduled draws. So that is, you know, that is disclosure that I'm looking at. Mostly it's it's higher yielding sectors like hotel, senior, senior care, a number of those, an ice skating center, and there's a larger, there's one that has a marketplace that had closed within the development district. And you know, so it's it's not your run of the mill municipality. Mm-hmm. There's a theater that's had some problems, multifamily, and the rest are actually sales tax or combination. And then the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Right. Is right. Chapter eleven, which I'm sure you're familiar
0: with. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, we've caught we we definitely covered that And ice skating. Yes. That's in- interesting. Ice skating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> you gotta have it, right?
0: Yeah, you gotta have it. All right. Last question. So, and this is besides affecting union land, it's it's a legal uh, challenge. A lot of market participants are looking closely at what the state of New Hampshire is doing. They're trying to bring a case before the U.S. Supreme Court against the Commonwealth of Massachusetts over income tax relations on remote workers. And the New Hampshire brought the the request directly to SCOTUS instead of a lower court, arguing that only the highest court of the land has the authority to to decide an interstate dispute. 10 other additional states, and one state is New Jersey where I live, have filed briefs supporting that position, arguing that the Supreme Court is required by the Constitution to take up the case. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Right, it's a very interesting case. Some have compared it to w- Wayfair, mm-hmm. but I think you know, the question of taxing someone who lives in another state but works in the first state that has been around. I mean, that happens between New Jersey and New York mm-hmm. and other states. So you're paying an out of, you know, out of city residence tax or out of uh, I forgot what it's called, but out of state residence tax. So, understandably, the theory behind it is that you commute in every day to New York, even though your house is in New Jersey. You consume the services. You benefit from police, fire, sanitation, amenities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so. That's the basis of the tax. So now you take that away, if you're working remotely, it's going to be very interesting to see what the theory will be. Because in today's world, you could be working for a company whose home base is Tokyo or Latin America or, you know, pick your favorite city in Europe, but residing in New York. So, you know, there are some interstate and global tax, you know, provisions, but if you're you're not actually commuting to that place and consuming resources there, it's just going to be very interesting to see what the court, first, if they take it up and second, if, you know, what their decisions are going to be based on.
0: And definitely was something we'll follow. But Natalie, that's the time we have for today. I thank you so much for your time. And um, You're
1: most welcome.
0: Your analytics. And uh, we hope to have you again on the show.
1: Okay. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.
0: Sure. And that is our show for today. Many thanks to Natalie Cohen, founder and president of National Municipal Research. And also thanks for our audience out there who listen week after week to the latest on Distressed Mini Debt on the Mini Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. Take care, everybody and have a good day. Thanks for listening to The Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.